Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence-based research. I'm your host, Brenda Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hey everyone, this is Girlwise. First of all, I want to apologize if you hear little sounds in the background. It is a very loud day in my neighborhood today. There is a band playing, there's people fixing their car outside of my window, so I am very sorry if you're able to hear any of those noises. And also, I wanted to take a quick second to thank absolutely everyone who's been listening to the podcast. It has been absolutely amazing seeing the numbers grow, watching my insights with the little map of where everyone is listening from. I can't believe it. There are so many people from so many different countries listening to this, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And now we can get straight into the topic in which two episodes ago, I discussed how I've been single for, I mean, basically all of my 20s and the lessons that came from that. One of the biggest skills that I've harbored is developing a sense of self, meaning discovering what kind of hobbies and recreations I have outside of work. There are many instances where socially women are told that their own passions and interests should come last, if at all. Yet, doing this is bad for our health, both physically and mentally. I have spoken a lot about being younger and only having interests that I thought boys would like to see in me instead of asking myself what I really wanted. I also mentioned that the answer to this was finding what your interests and likes are. So today we're going to speak about the why and how. I learned that you cannot just sit and wait for life to come find you. You must define where you want to take your own path and self-expression. Discovering who you are as an individual is such a gift of fulfillment and happiness that can't be matched. It also brings a sense of purpose, satisfaction, and personal growth. By acquiring new skills or knowledge, you can improve your confidence due to better problem-solving skills and a broader outlook on life. It helps take control of your own life, and best of all, it helps discover and express your unique identity. It encourages you to understand what you value and what you want to contribute to the world. But how do we start? Hey everyone! Before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the show notes so you can take Take a look at the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. There are many ways to become independent, such as setting boundaries, which we've discussed before, and learning to spend time alone. But I think the best way is to introduce the importance of hobbies. A hobby is any activity that you frequently do for pleasure during your leisure time. 
Studies have shown that there is an association between leisure activities and physical well-being, such as lower blood pressure, total cortisol, waist circumference, body mass index, and perceptions of a better physical function. It also has been shown to reduce total stress, and when you take time off to practice them, you have a lower risk of having depression. If you practice hobbies that include other people, it can help improve your communication skills and build healthy relationships with others. The science supporting health benefits of this are overwhelming. As I said, hobbies can lead to social support by meeting people who already have a common interest and immediately include you in a community. They're a great way to meet friends and have a circle outside of family and work. It is also gratifying to be able to accomplish something that you're passionate about. It can also starve off burnout because they engage us in something that provides an outlet for stress while having nothing to do with the work that caused the burnout in the first place. In other words, hobbies can help buffer the effects of a stressful job and mitigate factors that contribute to burnout. On the other hand, it can also help induce eustress, which is a type of positive stress, if you feel like you're understimulated. Maybe you think your life is super boring and has no fun in it, which is probably what was happening to most of us during the pandemic. Now, hobbies are an act of self-care, which is why sometimes we may feel guilty for having them. When we don't think that we are worthy of living life for our own well-being or even being happy, then it can be challenging to make time for ourselves. For generations, we have been shamed for putting ourselves first and coerced into thinking that we are only here to serve others. Having a strong sense of self threatens people who don't want anything good for us because it means no longer being docile enough to be taken advantage of. Also, others' opinions and needs of us are ever-changing, and if we live life for that, then we always have to change our behavior based on each person, and that is exhausting and unfair to you. Pursuing these activities can help stop a cycle of codependency, dissatisfaction, or lack of purpose. So how does all of this lead to us being interesting and independent? Well, you become independent when you live life for yourself, such as doing what makes you fulfilled. Interesting is a subjective term that everyone will have their own definitions for, so you are inherently interesting because you are pursuing your own interests. Does that make sense? Going out Taking risks and trying out new things helps you be more assertive, which is a habit that independent people upkeep. Interesting people are authentically themselves, and we can achieve this by learning who we are through activities such as hobbies. The Huffington Post shared eight habits of interesting people, and I wanted to share them in case they inspire you. Number one, they are passionate which of course, if you find things that you're passionate about, you can become a passionate person. Number two, they try new things. Number three, they don't hide their quirks, or again, they are authentically themselves. Number four, they avoid the bandwagon, which means that they decide for themselves what kind of beliefs and values they want to uphold through their own experiences. Number five, they check their egos at the door. 
meaning that they listen to their own values, goals, and ambitions rather than worrying about what will make them look good. Number six, they're always learning. Number seven, they share what they discover, which I think is such a good point. It also has to do with ego and, you know, the phrase that's been used all over the internet, which is gatekeeping. And of course, if you don't share what you've discovered and kind of, you know, help contribute to people that you think might also be interested in this, then then that doesn't really make you interesting, does it? And number eight, they don't worry about what others think of them. Again, they are living life for themselves. If you're still feeling like you've lost communication within yourself so much that you don't even know what you like and don't like anymore, or everything seems too overwhelming, then try beginning with something simple that you may have enjoyed, for example, in your childhood. It's important not to fall into self-judgment and try to keep an open mind with self-compassion. I know if you've neglected yourself for a long time, making changes like this can be difficult, even if they're simple for others. Let's try not to compare ourselves and beat ourselves up, but instead be grateful for the opportunity to begin doing something good for our well-being. If you're having a hard time with it, it's best to speak to a professional. Taking the first step is already a big accomplishment. Even if it's something as simple as sitting down for 15 minutes, trying to write poetry, or learning a TikTok dance. Life coach Sherry Samuels is quoted as saying, Most of us are willing to remain in our comfort zone, even when it is deeply uncomfortable, because that is a space that we know and or are familiar with. As we embrace our individuality and authenticity, we are faced with things that are unfamiliar and scary. We do not know what is on the other side of the pain, discontent, and lack of fulfillment. And we often don't believe that it's possible to have something more, different, and better. So we get in our own way, slowing down the progress we both need and desire. End quote. Talking about TikTok dances, it's never too late to try out your own likes or find new interests because those things will most certainly change with time. This is a never-ending process because the more you learn about life and yourself, the more you can make better decisions for pursuing what you want. Our experiences transform our thoughts, so the more you live, the more you'll have to consider. Trying out new things is exciting and fun. That doesn't change because of your age. But how do we make time for this? All of these things are time-consuming. And yes, one of the biggest issues that people can find with hobbies is that there simply isn't enough time to have them. Yet, when we say we don't have the time, what we mean is that they're not a priority. I mentioned in a previous episode that I want to read more, but I don't have the time. Yet my screen time on my phone is an average of five hours, so clearly I have it. I'm just using it elsewhere. This is one of the things that I hate about social media, that it sucks out the time that we could be using doing something good for ourselves. The endless scroll that entrances you. This is called displacement theory, and you can check out my episode on how bad is social media for you actually to hear more about that. Some experts suggest that you find small chunks of time within your day to practice this hobby instead of having a very strict schedule for it. 
for almost all of us, there are ways that we can delegate or move around tasks in order to make room for such an important practice. So now I am going to hopefully give you some inspiration and read a list of hobbies. Hobbies can be absolutely anything, and it's very important not to let our gender stop us from trying things that are non-traditional for us. So here they are. Running, hiking, baking, painting, sculpting, and pottery, scrapbooking, which is one that I personally love, reading, writing, cycling, tennis, swimming, collecting, it can be anything, gardening, boxing, jujitsu, which I kind of really want to get into, crafting and other arts, crocheting, photography, skating, yoga, dancing, singing, playing an instrument, stargazing, animal conservation, poetry, museum and art gallery visiting, embroidery, climbing, candle making, and I'm leaving out soap making because it can be very dangerous, so it's best to leave that to the professionals. Volunteering, chess, woodworking, which is also something that I would love to try out, bird watching, fishing, learning a new language, magic, axe throwing, mixology, and for these last 10 ones, I actually decided to look up uh, niche hobbies or not very popular hobbies. And we have for number 40, bone carving, which yes, it's literally carving little sculptures and things into bones. Beekeeping, which sounds super cool, but it's definitely more of uh, an investment. <laughs> Pup tree which is, uh, I mean, in 2023, it's not something that's very common anymore. Coding, which is something that eventually is going to be just absolutely necessary. It's almost going to be as necessary as speaking a second language. And number 45, ghost hunting, which is very scary to me, but, you know, knock yourselves out. Winemaking, which is literally making wine, lock picking, you know, for educational purposes only. Uh, number 48 is recreational piloting, which is super cool. Imagine getting your pilot's license. I mean, scary, but very cool. Number 49, we're getting to the really niche ones, which is toy voyaging. It is, from what I understood, you take a toy and you travel with that toy or you send it out so that the toy can have a whole bunch of experiences and kind of live a life of travel. So you take the toy and you take pictures of it or you send it off so that other picture, other people living in different sides of the world can take pictures of it. And uh, they also send you their toys and, you know, you can help that toy travel the world. I hope I explained that right because that's what I understood from that. And number 50, <laughs> um, Quidditch, which if you don't know what that is, that is the fictional game of flying on a broomstick and tossing a ball through some rings. 
It was invented in the Harry Potter universe, and although people can't actually fly on brooms, it's definitely a real thing now. There are actual Quidditch teams, so if that's something that interests you, there is something for everyone, isn't there? So with all of that being said, it's time now for Ask Me Anything, and today's question comes from Lily. How do you do things that scare you? Referring to taking chances and necessary things for your growth. I thought this question tied in perfectly with today's topic, and I definitely need help with this as well. Smart risk taking is such an important skill to have, especially when you want to accomplish big things that have a non-traditional route. I mean, the fear of failure is truly one of the biggest obstacles I have in my life. So risks don't have to be reckless. They can be well calculated to improve the chances of success. And learning which ones to take is key to opening up opportunities in life. Sometimes we incorrectly assume that our level of fear directly correlates to how much of a risk it actually is. It's good to take a step back and assess how big the risk really is and how much will taking it be worth the reward. A lot of the time, our emotions, though valid, don't really reflect the real threat of what it is you're doing. Giving a big presentation at the meeting or signing up for the school talent show may feel like a huge risk and very fear-inducing, but most likely won't put your life in danger as much as something like jeweling, which people do all the time without thinking it over twice. Also, there are many things that you can do to increase your chances of success. It would be much less of a risk to prepare for your presentation and practice your talent for the talent show instead of just going in and winging it. So try to prepare as much as you can before taking the risk. Researching what your options are, taking steps to make sure that you have a backup plan, or what you will do if it doesn't go as planned, and taking it apart into easier steps so that you don't have to jump in head first if it's something that really scares you. I found this article that had some great questions about when to decide to take risks. Number one is asking yourself, what could you gain? What could you lose? What happens if you don't change? Whom do you want to be? What's in you that suggests success is possible? And the last one, what weaknesses require compensation? Now, it's very important when asking and answering these questions that we are very objective Because a lot of the times, if we have some sort of self-sabotaging or extreme self-doubt behaviors and patterns, then we can actually let fear answer these questions instead of reality. So it's important to ground ourselves and really think about not what could happen, but what will most likely happen without really getting into our heads that imposter syndrome, you know? So... This could really help if you're doing it with a professional, but if not, it's important to keep that in mind. Though not all risks mean getting exactly what you want, they do mean getting closer to your goal. Facing your fears is something that can be totally healthy and have great outcomes, because if nothing works out, then at least you tried and now have the knowledge of what happens with that approach instead of letting fear stop you from learning. 
With each try, you will get better at calculating what will be worth taking the risk and increase your chances of getting it right every single time. This is called the art of learning to fail. And hopefully, one day when I get better at this, I can make an episode about it. So I'm telling this to myself and to you. You got this girl. So that is it for today's podcast. I am very sorry if you can hear any noises in the background. I tried waiting all day, but unfortunately, today was just not a quiet day. Um, Thank you so much for listening again. I am so grateful to all of you. I really am happy that you're enjoying this podcast. Don't forget to follow it, rate it, review it, and share it with a friend. And I'll see you next time. Bye.